Well, excellent job, kids. That was excellent. You know, it's so great. You know, one thing I like about that particular Christmas play is so much of that was the words that are found in the scriptures themselves. I, uh, we were talking about timing and stuff for this Sunday, and I noticed how last week you guys got out kind of early, and now there's an expectation of that. And actually today, it's going to be a shorter message. I kind of have three different versions of the same message. Just in case things went a little long, I would not, uh, not have to worry about that. Um, it's going to be like the middle one. Not that any of you even know what I'm talking about. I could do the full length one today, but I won't. Um, talking about Christmas, there are so many different Christmas scriptures. In fact, many of them were read today from the Old Testament, the New Testament, I was putting together today's message, and my question was, what did Jesus say about Christmas? When Jesus talked about why was he sent to this earth? We're going to start here. Actually, I'm going to go to John 18 first. If you ever ask this question, why did Jesus come to the earth? Jesus answers it himself. Then, he said to, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus said, answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? For this reason I was born, for this reason I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. What is truth? That is one of the essential questions, right, of all of humanity is what is truth? You know, and I could stop there, take this out of context, and now talk about whatever hobby horse I have for the week. And to a certain extent, I mean, that's actually somewhat valid because all truth is God's truth. I remember writing one time on my Facebook wall, all truth from the complex laws of quantum mechanics to the sky is blue is only true because Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But there's a specific truth of which Jesus testified to in his life. And here's the other scripture. Here's the other Christmas scripture by Jesus Christ himself from John 3, 16 through 21. We know this one, John 3, 16. You go to a football game, you see that everywhere. Let's look at a little bit of the context here. Jesus is meeting with a guy. We call him, he's a Pharisee named Nicodemus. The Pharisees, as far as being righteous, doing the right thing, you don't compare. I don't care how good you think you are, how moral you think you are. These guys had it down on lock. And Jesus is speaking to one of them. And he's showing to him how how far off the mark he really is. No matter how righteous he thinks he is. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? From John chapter 3 verses 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. 
But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You may be seated. It's such a well-known verse. I think sometimes, especially in Christmas, we kind of skip over it. But that's the reason. That's why Christmas exists is because God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Before we switch to this Advent season series, we were going through the Old Testament. We were going through the book of Genesis of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Abraham has a moment in which God tells him to take your son Isaac, your only son, whom you loved and are well pleased. The very same words he says of Jesus Christ at his baptism. Behold, this is my son whom I love and am well pleased. And he tells Abraham to take his son Isaac to a hill that he would show him, to take him there and sacrifice him. But hopefully you know the story. When he goes to sacrifice him, God stops him and tells him, now I know you fear me. See, God does not have us sacrifice our children. In fact, this, this, in Sunday school this morning, I talked about how the result of turning away from Christ will always be the sacrifice of children. Because we don't realize the sacrifice has already been made. You know, seeing little um, Emmeline. Thank you. Thank you, Emmeline, this morning. And you could never imagine giving up your daughter, whom you love and are well pleased. Yet God takes up his son to a hill. I know I mentioned this before, but I think it bears mentioning again. The hill that Abraham took Isaac to, historically and geographically, is the hill that Christ was sacrificed on. The love of God the Father for us is amazing. And so Jesus says, Jesus says, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And then later on in John, he says, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. So we can put into that, that Jesus Christ so loved the world that he gives his brothers and sisters to tell of this good news. You know, we think of missionaries. You know, we have our missions wall, of course. We have people who are official assembly of God missionaries like Santiago Guerrera who goes to um, conventions of, uh, of Mormons to preach to them the gospel. But you yourself, you are missionaries. And that as God has sent the Son, the Son has now sent you into this world. And as we look at this right here, a scripture that often gets quoted, but not often meditated upon. And Christian meditations where we fill our mind with the thoughts of God as opposed to emptying our mind. For God so loved the world, there was, a, there was an amount that God loved the world. What is that amount? Beyond our understanding, he gives his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that that the world might be saved through him. Oftentimes people say John 3.16 is taken out of context. You need 17 in context. But then they'll take 17 out of context to say that, well, well, God, Jesus is not about condemning anybody. He's just all about love. And he's just a hippie in the sky who wants you to do your best. And he does the rest. But what does, chap what does verse 18 says? Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. 
In verse 19, you know, I talked before, you can go from chapter 18 where Jesus says that he has come into this world to testify to the truth. You can go into your little hobby horse, talk about other truths, but all those truths are lesser truths. Because if we go to the truth that Christ was here to testify of, it hits us, it convicts us, it judges us, and it sees us as wanting. So we need a savior. In verse 19, and this is the judgment The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That's not the kind of message you see in feel-good Christianity, but it's the truth. And we know it's the truth, whether we choose to believe it or not. That we are not naturally good. No, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the, the testimony, in fact, we were, we were hearing this read today from Isaiah chapter 8 and 9 of the thick darkness those who do not believe in the word of God are in. But those who are in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. And we know that this light is Jesus Christ. For unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. In John 3.16, this is veiled in the language of the prophets. For unto us a son is born, unto us a son is given. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believe in him may not perish, but have everlasting light, life. And we see that this life is not welcomed. In fact, they crucify the Lord of life when, because their works are evil. And the light, this is the verdict that light has come to the wor- world but men, but men love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. In verse 20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. I think we tend to see this as kind of like before our lives in Christ. But a person, even a believer, can go through a period of rebellion, can go through a time in which they are willfully forgetting the benefits of Christ, But if you are in Christ, it'll be the most miserable time of your life. You'll not enjoy it. And as because the Holy Spirit, who has claimed you as his own, will make it very, very hard for you, there is a part of your sinful nature that still loves the darkness and hates the light. And our life in Christ is the progressive moment in which we continue to decide, instead of loving the darkness, to hate the darkness and to love the light. In verse 21, whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. There are a lot of religions in the world, right? I could, do a, I could do a sampling of the three Abrahamic religions. I could go into the different other religions, the Hindu, Buddhist, and I could talk about all the differences. But really, there's just two religions. There's always been two religions. There's the religion of works, do the right things. Dot all the, all the I's, cross all the T's, mind your P's and Q's, and maybe, just maybe, God, the gods, the universe will give you somewhat of a good afterlife. That's the works-based righteousness. And whether the person believing in pagan or they, believe, or, they, or they say they believe in the true God, that's one religion. The other religion, though, is the work of done. That when Jesus Christ was on the cross, he says it is finished. And that accepting the finished work of Jesus Christ, I'm not working towards my salvation. It's already been accomplished. 
But now the works I do in my life, I do because of faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not doing them to be saved. I'm doing them because I am saved. And the things I do, the good works I do, I do out of gratitude. Therefore, God is never in my debt. There is a consumer-based Christianity that looks to put the Lord Jesus in our debt. And what ends up happening? What ends up happening in your life is exactly what Jesus told his disciples. In this world, you will have trouble. How many people, they, they're in, they, they, they thought they were coming to Christ and then something bad happens in their life and they feel like God isn't holding up to his, his part of the plan. That God has lied. But God never made that promise. His promise was that you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Amen. I've overcome the world. See, that's what the angels were excited about that, that, that Josh was talking about today. They knew from before the foundation of the world that God had this plan of salvation. It is what the New Testament writer said the ancients longed to look into. So when they see these shepherds and the shepherds, they see the angels and they kind of lose their mind a little bit. They're, they're filled with fear. I always find it interesting, people's stories nowadays of seeing angels, and it's like this, like, oh, you know, and they're like Irish accent and everything. But in the Bible, they're like losing their ever-loving mind. What is going on here? And the angels are like, settle down, settle down. We got great news for you of great joy. Born to you this day in the city of David is born to you the Savior When you understand from the angel's perspective, when they see us human beings trying our hardest to be seen at least in our own eyes as moral and righteous and even failing in our own eyes, knowing that there is no way for us to be righteous, how much joy, of great joy on this earth. Going back to John 3, 16, 16 through 21. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. For whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is a truth that Satan wants you to forget right here. He wants you to forget. He wants you to think you need to live in shame your whole life. That the sins you committed in your past life before you knew Christ, or even since you've known Christ, but have been forgiven, at, forgiven of, you need to always be in this darkness and not come into the light. And that's the fear that the devil tries to fill us with, that if I come into the light, I'll be exposed. But the truth of God's love is this. Come into the light, be exposed, and know that you are more loved than you could ever imagined, even though you are more sinful than you ever dare admit. Going back to John 18, where I started. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is, on, who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? So many people right now, the Christmas season is known in, in circles, psychiatric help circles, as one of the darkest seasons of the year, where people give in to depression, where suicide rates go up, depression rates go up. And people are asking Pilate's question right now, what is truth? Maybe you're here today, 
and you're there. You're, at, you're on your last string. You're at, the, 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 the straw that's about to break the camel's back is hovering over you. And you're saying, what is truth? I know that Jesus came to give us life into the full, but I'm not living that. Where do I come to find this wellspring of eternal life? You're asking, what is truth? Jesus said his word is truth. Jesus testified to this truth. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not, should not perish but have eternal life. And the one thing that your soul needs is maybe the one thing you don't know about right now, which is you need to be right with God. That there is no true happiness, no true joy outside of right relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And for you who believe that today, who know that today, you have so many people around you right now and they are saying that same thing. What is truth? What do I have to live for? Is any of this true? You, dear Christmas missionary, need to go out and tell them, that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. That's what our kids are singing today and saying today. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Father of what is everlasting. And that the principal need in your life is to have peace with God. That is what you are missing. It's going to be a shorter service today too. Man, you guys are so spoiled. You know, next week is going to be shorter sermons, but actually, no, next week's going to be a full-length sermon. You guys are going to be like, he just goes on and on and on. <laughs> this week, I wanted to keep it simple because we had such a good teaching from our kids. I just wanted to, I wanted to go to what they, all the stuff that the scriptures say about Christ, but what does scripture, what does, what does Christ say about Christmas? He says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For you to fall upon the mercies of Christ, to turn away from the darkness and towards the light this Christmas season, and to tell others to do the same.